Hello, and welcome to the Hidden Gnome Podcast. This week, in celebration of the upcoming audio release of the final pair of audiobooks in the Elder Empire series, we're taking a bit of a detour to bring you a chapter of Kings and Killers. Pre-orders are now live for both on Audible.com, and they'll be released at last on July 7th. If you haven't followed Calder or Shara on their journeys up until now, and you have a mighty need for adventure, magic, and adorable tentacled horrors that bellow at the top of their lungs, you might want to check out the prior books in the series on Audible and Amazon, so that you can join us for the finale. Now pull up your mask or lash yourself to the mast. We're pretty sure you can withstand this audio excerpt with your sanity intact. Chapter 2 Four Years Ago Petal settled into the rafters, plugging her nose against the thick dust so she didn't sneeze. Her arms and legs ached from the effort of climbing up here. She was no natural climber. The most athletic thing she usually did was climbing up on top of the stool nailed to the deck of her cabin in the Testament. Sometimes she lifted beakers. Today, she had brewed up an adhesive web that would allow her to climb as quickly as a spider when combined with specially treated gloves. It was a standard alchemical recipe for certain professions, but her limbs still had to hold her weight. So she sat on the rafters, arms and legs still burning from exertion as she waited for the residue on the walls to dissolve. Most people wouldn't be paying attention to the support beams or rafters of the old classroom, but if anyone were to notice, it would be these people. Patiently, Petal settled in to wait. She guessed it had been two hours or so when the professor finally entered the classroom. He was a sleepy-looking young man with a floppy wool hat and spectacles that took up his entire face. He arrived early, settling notes on a podium and setting up a collapsible table to hold some alchemical gear. Clearly, he was preparing for some kind of a demonstration. She pulled out the tiny spyglass she had borrowed from Captain Calder. He only knew that she was doing alchemical research and had been happy to contribute to her efforts, so long as he got his spyglass back unaltered. Paddle had been a little offended by that assumption, not that she had said so out loud. If she treated the spyglass, it would be to make it more effective. Some glass cleaner or, or wait, there were Chimera with incredible eyesight. Surely there would have to be some kind of extract that would allow you to borrow their sight through the glass. Maybe if it could be awakened. She chewed on the thought for a few minutes as the professor prepared. Slowly, his students began to fill the room. The students weren't as young as she might have expected. All looked older than she was, the youngest in the second half of their twenties, and a handful looked like they must be grandparents. The sun was setting and most of them were dressed for jobs. Not all scholarly academic jobs either. Over there, she saw a woman in a flower-spotted apron who had to be a baker. This wasn't an official class of Canatalia's Grand Alchemical Academy. It was a collection of amateur alchemists coming to learn from a guild professional. Technically, Paddle only counted as a journeyman alchemist by Canatalia standards. Her master had removed her from consideration instead of sponsoring her, but by that time, the damage had already been done. She was in love with alchemy. She had continued mixing, brewing, and testing solutions of her own since the day she had been cut off. She couldn't stop now. There were too many lessons left to learn. So she picked up alchemy treatises or guides wherever she could, attending every alchemical lecture she could find at every port the Testament visited. Where possible, she paid her own way. Where impossible, she snuck in. 
or eavesdropped with a heavily invested ear horn, or drilled a hole in the neighboring wall, or bribed one of the attendees for a transcript. There was usually a way. Today, the professor was picking up a series on the history of augmentary potions and their regulation. Tucked away in a corner of the rafters, she scribbled furious notes. This was a specific area of interest for her. After the better part of an hour on the context and history, most of which Petal was familiar with, he finally got to the demonstration. The young, bespectacled professor held up a tiny vial of bright red liquid. This is a sample of blood provided by the Champions Guild, preserved in a fresh liquid state. A murmur of appreciation ran through the crowd. Champion blood was a valuable prize. It held proprietary alchemical secrets relating to the process by which champions were created. Though the Champions Guild had to cooperate with Canatalia to procure and produce some of those substances, they still kept their precise formula a secret. They parted with their blood only reluctantly, especially to alchemists. Petal had read stories of guild alchemists who had exhumed champion bodies in order to examine the organs directly. Those alchemists had, one and all, been caught and discouraged from pursuing their research further. The professor hurried to reassure them. As I said, this is official business. We'll not pry too deeply into the secrets of the champions. Not that we could, with only a few drops of blood. We're going to learn how to distill the chimera extract inside this blood to create a potion that will briefly allow a mere mortal to taste the power of a champion. Paddle shivered in excitement. It became clear soon after that the professor was exaggerating. Champions relied on an intricate network of body modification supported by years of training and adaptation, and there was no way to provide anything of that level in a single bottle. Even if there were, an ordinary human body would tear itself to pieces under the strain. But the fact remained, as he demonstrated, that it was possible to extract the physical powers of a champion and use them to temporarily enhance someone else, which he illustrated by having the grandmotherly baker quaff a small vial of the completed solution and then crush a wooden desk to splinters with her bare hands. She stood straighter than she had before, her eyes clearer, and she laughed like a little girl as she backflipped from a standing position and landed exactly where she'd started. The possibility sent Petal's mind whirling. The process the professor demonstrated was too complicated to follow after one demonstration. She'd have to practice. Even once she did, he made it clear that the required ingredients were exotic and expensive. But the most exotic and expensive ingredient was the blood of a champion and she just so happened to live on a ship with a champion of its own, and he was chock full of blood. She began writing down ideas, inspired. If a temporary enhancement was possible, it was within the realm of possibility that permanent changes could be made with nothing more than potions. Alchemists had known for centuries already that if you abused potions to the point of addiction for too many years, they could permanently modify your body, as though through surgery. The principle was a cornerstone of certain treatments, though usually only as a last resort. There were always side effects. Maybe someday one bottle could make you a champion. Maybe that was already how it worked, and the Champions Guild just didn't want everyone to know. Maybe. Petal blinked and looked up. Night had fallen, and at some point she must have waited for all the students to pack up, descended from the rafters into an empty classroom, and left. She inferred this from context, as she remembered none of it. She was wandering the streets of Calvin's Rest, a port town in northern Erin where she knew no one. There were only a handful of locals still on the wide streets, 
and several of those gave her odd looks as she shook and clutched her notepad close. She had gotten too absorbed. This happened sometimes. She was only vaguely aware of the passage of time when she drifted into her own head. Now, she found herself in a strange place hours after she'd said she'd return. Paddles slunk back into the shadows between a squat brick building and a place that looked like a saloon. Raucous laughter came from within, and she felt no desire to investigate further. She had to make it back to the ship. Then, a voice she knew cut through the laughter. You're just meeting out here in the open, are you? Jirene sounded amused. Children hide their secret clubs better than you. A man's laughing voice responded, his consonants noticeably slurring together, and Petal followed him around to the other side of the presumed saloon. Jirene stood surrounded by four men, and she was by far the youngest and shortest person there. The least of the men was twice her size, and just watching him, Petal started to shake. The loudest of the men was brown-haired and red-faced, and Petal didn't like the look of him at all. He gestured too broadly with his hands, he was clearly drunk, and he looked Jirene up and down with an openly hungry expression. The other three didn't give off the same sense of danger as that one, but they were still technically surrounding Jirene. Did the girl know how much danger she was in? Well, you'll have to lead the way. Unlike you boys, I have someone waiting for me at home. Jirene's earrings gleamed emerald in the starlight as she nodded deeper into the alley, which, now that Petal noticed, opened up onto something that looked like a cave. How did that happen? Had someone hollowed out the stone wall of a building? No, the stone shouldn't be more than a foot thick, not nearly enough for a cave. And she was sure the alley had ended in a wall just a moment ago. Petal pulled her head back around the edge of the wall, taking deep breaths and gathering up her courage. It took her enough effort to talk to strangers at all, and she hated confrontation, but she couldn't leave Jirene alone with these outsiders. Petal had to be the older sister. Gripping her spirits tight, Petal stepped firmly into the mouth of the alley. Go of her, she mumbled. Two men, including the red-faced rude one, stared at her in surprise. The alley now ended in a wall. Jirene and the other two men were gone. What had happened to the cave? Where was Jirene? The drunken leader glared at her, his expression darkening. What are you looking for, little girl? Petal's mouth stuck open, her lips quivering. Jirene was gone. The man's scowl deepened, and he seized her by the left wrist. He shook her like a doll, demanding her attention. It felt like Petal couldn't get a deep enough breath. What are you looking for, I said. He's spying out here, he's spying on us. Petal tried to push air through paralyzed lungs to make a breath. I, I'm a... With her one free hand, she withdrew the alchemist's goggles from inside the pouch that hung from her waist. She waved them around, pushing them against her eyes in proof. Alchemist, she managed at last. The rude man shoved her away, still glaring at her. Get out, and don't ask questions, go. That was my friend. Petal's voice was still unsteady, but she was proud of herself for managing the statement clearly. Where is she? This was too much for the angry stranger to process. He lumbered toward her again. I just told you not to ask. Petal withdrew a smoke bomb from her pouch and flicked the striker. Most of these bombs worked on a longer fuse, with the fuse itself wrapped inside the package. 
Petal kept this one very, very short. Smoke shot from her clenched fist in an instant, sprang directly into the face of the drunken man. He slapped his hands against his face and screamed as though she'd stabbed him in the eyes. His friend got off a little better, spared the direct spray. He stumbled away from the smoke, cursing and rubbing at his eyes. It was just an irritant, but it was a strong one. Such a dose from short range? Petal took a few nervous hops backwards, away from the blindly flailing red-faced man, whose face had just gotten much redder. She pulled out her next emergency measure, a cloth, which she soaked with a measure of liquid from a sealed old wine bottle. The liquid wasn't wine. In her nerves, she may have spilled a little more on the rag than she intended. She had barely gotten the cloth close to his nose before he stiffened up and fell to the ground, rolling and kicking at the dirt like a dreaming dog. His partner had made it most of the way out of the alley before Petal, screwing up her courage one last time, leaped onto his back and clapped the rag over his face. This one managed to resist for almost an entire second before he, too, fell to the ground. Between her pounding heart and her harsh, nervous breaths, Petal could barely hear anything else. But she forced herself to look around outside the alley, checking for witnesses. She saw none. The street had mostly been bare when she entered, and it didn't look like anyone else cared to investigate the noises outside the saloon. However, the second man's limp hand was lying in the street. She grabbed him by the belt with both hands, bracing herself against the dirt and dragging him backwards with her whole body weight. Then she should leave and look for Jirene. She knew that. Instead, she dropped to crouch on her heels and trembled. She had to let the nerves out so they didn't poison her from within, like draining a wound. And judging by how long it took her to get her breath back, she'd had a lot of poison inside of her. In fact, she didn't come back to herself until she heard her own name. Petal? Jirene asked in astonishment. Why aren't you back on the ship? She stood at the back of the alley with the other two men, all three of them looking equally stunned. There was no cave behind her. Had there been some hallucinogen in the alchemy class? No, Petal was certain that wasn't it. If she was seeing things that weren't there, and alchemy wasn't the cause, there was only one other possibility. Petal shrank into herself, looking from Jirene to the other two strangers. Are you okay? Petal asked. She almost hoped the answer was no, that Jirene had gotten herself in over her head and mixed up in something she didn't understand. But she didn't look like someone out of control. Jirene knelt by Petal, taking trembling hands in her own, which were warm and calm. She gave Petal a familiar, almost motherly look, and the sudden sense of safety helped Petal to take a long, soothing breath. I'm fine. Don't worry. I was just catching up with some old friends. Behind her, the two men had started checking up on the men on the ground, shooting Petal horrified looks. Jirene, there was, I mean, I saw a cave. Jirene's brow furrowed as though she had no idea what Petal was talking about, and Petal could see the lie forming on her lips. Petal would pretend to believe it, and then as soon as she was back on the ship, she would tell Captain Calder. Well, maybe she would. There was the possibility that Calder wouldn't listen to anyone say anything about his girlfriend or would believe Jirene no matter what Petal said. Better to tell Andal. He would know what to do. Jirene must have seen in Petal's eyes that a lie wouldn't work because she suddenly relaxed. She looked resigned, 
It's elders, she said at last. Petal had figured that out already. Are you with them? Petal asked. She wasn't exactly sure what she meant by that. Jirene sighed. You remember when he, the Great One, spoke to us? Petal couldn't forget it if the Emperor himself tried to erase it from her mind. What did he say to you? He said... Petal had reported this to the crew already, but it was still embarrassing to say out loud. She mumbled into the neck of her dress. He said you were my family. Jirene smiled, squeezing her hands in reassurance. That's right, and we are, Petal, we are. So can you trust your sister this once when I tell you that what I'm doing isn't going to hurt anyone? I'm just here to learn, like you. The more we know, the better. Isn't that right? Petal nodded. That much was true. The Black Watch studied elders. Even the Lumenians studied elders, though their interest wasn't as academic. I knew you'd understand. But the others won't. They think it was too risky. She rolled her eyes as though they both knew how silly that sounded, though Petal happened to think that messing with strange men and elder powers in the dark of a strange town was dangerous. But she understood what Jirene meant, so Petal nodded. So you'll keep it a secret? For the first time, Jirene looked uncertain, vulnerable. Petal wondered what she would do if Petal didn't keep it a secret. But... Petal had hated it when she was denied official access to the alchemical knowledge she craved. She had immediately resorted to her own methods of learning, from stealing textbooks to sneaking up to the rafters to spy on lectures. Who was she to stand in the way of Jirene's ambition? I promise, Petal said softly. Jirene brightened and threw arms around her in a tight, reassuring hug. Behind her, the two newcomers tried to shake their friends awake, but the writhing locals only groaned in pain. You've survived the Hidden Gnome Podcast. This excerpt from Of Kings and Killers was written by Will White and narrated by Travis Baldry. Listen in on Friday for a story from the paired book of Killers and Kings. Remember, if you see any cream-filled cookies lying around, it's probably safe to assume they were intended for Will and you should leave them right where they are.